You have your Bibles. Uh, let's get started today in God's Word. And as we read God's Word, we also want to always know why are we doing this? Why are we here studying God's Word, learning from it, growing in it? It is so that we can become more in line with the Holy Spirit, more like Christ. The Holy Spirit comes along and leads us into all truth. He teaches us God's Word so that we can become more like Christ. We can live a life that would best represent Christ with truth and grace and power and resilience and sustenance. We have all of those things working in us and yet constantly growing in the knowledge of Christ, in the knowledge of his word. And so I'm, I'm just thankful that no matter how old we get, there's always newness in Christ. Christ always leads us into newness. And so we're, we're just being renewed and rejuvenated all the time. And he does this in a lot of different ways, but he does it throughout our life. And I'm, I'm so thankful that this is a church that nobody is like coasting. You know what I mean? Uh, sometimes, you know, when you're young, you're vibrant, you're on, you're like Taylor was mentioning today, she was just going for it, but she wanted more information and she was growing and the knowledge of the word of God. Uh, I'm thankful that Hope Crossings is a church where we don't reach a level and then plateau and then just say, well, I'm just going to coast from here on out. We've got people of all ages who are still vibrant, still growing, still learning, still changing. And isn't that the beauty of God working in our lives? He said, the good work that I began in you, I'm going to complete it. I'm, I'm still working. He didn't say I'm going to complete it by the time you're 30 or 40 or 50 or 80. He says, I'm just going to keep doing it until you get home. And so we just keep growing, keep growing. How many of you uh, today, let's do something a little different as we get going today. How many of you today would, would say, you know, this week, and I'm not talking about in general sense, but I'm talking about something specific that you can, you could say, God did something in my life or connected with my life this week. Maybe he healed you. Maybe he encouraged you. Maybe he was, gave you wisdom to know how to deal with a problem or help someone else. But you could say, God did something unique in my life this week. Could you just, amazing. How many of you say this month? I mean, maybe it wasn't this week, but maybe this month. So if you raise your hands the first time, you need to raise it again, right? Because it's, okay. Can, can we do something? Could we just all stand up today? Could we stand up? And just glorify God for what he has done in us and through us. Could we just, the Bible tells us, you know, praise God with instruments, praise God with singing, praise God with dancing. It says we glorify him with clapping our hands or with shouting or lifting up our voice to the Lord. And I know I, I wasn't raised in a church where that was like cool and certainly wasn't done. And so I thought all churches were that way until I was introduced to a church that wasn't that way. And I was like, what are these people doing? And then I started actually reading the Bible, and I was like, well, it's right in there. All that stuff's in there. Okay, so you ready? Can we just glorify God? Come on, let's glorify the Lord and praise him. God, thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Mm. Hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, Lord, we praise you and magnify you because you are amazing, great. And, Lord, we recognize that in ourselves, 
We are so unworthy, but Lord, you come along and you pay the price for our sin on the cross. Jesus, you paid it all. And Lord, you gave us salvation. We didn't earn it. You gave us a place at your table. And so, Lord, you just pour out blessing after blessing, goodness. You're, you're changing us into the image of Christ. You're using us to help other people. We just praise you and thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, you can be seated. We've got one more announcement. I think we've got a, a slide on this one. I tell you what, I want to say thank you to everyone who's uh, participated in uh, hand sanitation. <laughs> Appreciate y'all keeping your hands clean. Do we have that? Look at that. 17 pallets of uh, hand sanitizer we've given to 16 schools, uh, seven pallets to ISER ministry. Each pallet has 150 cases. Each, each case has 12. Each bottle has eight ounces. That's 432,000 ounces as you look down there. But if we look at all those numbers right down at the bottom at $350 a bottle, that's what Walmart sells this stuff for. We just distributed $189,000 worth of hand sanitizer, gave it out to people who need it. Can we glorify God for that? Isn't that great? Isn't that amazing? And uh, as you could tell, walking in the door, we still have more. And we want you to take that. And we want you to think about, okay, how, how, how can I help? How can I get get this stuff into people's hands that need it. And so we have two pallets left. That's 300 boxes plus what's in the, in the lobby out here today. And so if you come up with it, when you, when you come up with an idea, here's what you do. You shoot uh, uh, us an email at the church. You can call me on my cell phone and, uh, or send me a text, something say, Hey, I've got an idea. What about maybe there's, maybe there's an assisted living home. Maybe there's a daycare. Just trying to help. I'm just trying to be a blessing. I'm trying to help. If we can get rid of this stuff, get it into people's hands that need it, that's a blessing, isn't it? All right. So, if you get an, when you get an idea about how we can um, minister to people, just give us a call, shoot us an email, do something, and we'll get that thing going. Okay. All right. Very good. All right. You're in. Uh, please turn in your Bibles, please, to Romans. We'll be there in a few moments. Let's talk today about the power of the Holy Spirit. We look at the Holy Spirit. Uh, we look at uh, the divinity of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God, three in one, equal, coexisting, perfect, united, one God made of three beings, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Some people have a, a little pause in their mind trying to figure that out. It's, it's much like you. You and I are a triune being as well. And uh, we have multiple aspects of our lives. And the Holy Spirit is God. Christ is born, and the Spirit of God was a forerunner to his appearing on the earth in John the Baptist. John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. Christ is baptized and the Holy Spirit descends on him in the form of a dove. Christ is led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. Christ is tempted in the Holy Spirit and Christ is tempted in the wilderness and the Holy Spirit comforts him and helps him and guides him. Christ ascends back into heaven and the Holy Spirit takes his place. 
Now, not in the sense that replaces Jesus, but as Jesus was on this planet in one body, filled with the Holy Spirit, teaching, living, performing miracles, signs and wonders, but he's ascended back into heaven. Now the Holy Spirit has come to this earth, not in just specific to specific people as a prophet, priest, or king would experience the Holy Spirit. But the word tells us that God will pour out his spirit on all flesh. Those who call on the name of the Lord will receive that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. So now, therefore, the Holy Spirit is spread out across this planet, not just in one being or not just in a few, but is poured out into all who call in the name of the Lord. And so the Holy Spirit is now in power working throughout the world through those who've called in the name of Christ. Jesus said this in John 16, it is important, or he said, it is to your advantage that I go back to the Father. Because if I go back to the Father, he will send the Spirit, and he says that is why it's important that I go back. That the Father would send the Spirit to live in the life of everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. And that Spirit is a Spirit of revelation. It is the spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit has power that he gives us. We know that Jesus said right before he ascended, he said to the disciples, wait in Jerusalem until you receive the power of the Holy Spirit. You're going to receive power to be my witnesses. And so today we're talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. Now there are different kinds or types of power. One would be a legitimate power. This is a power that is given through authority delegated to a certain person for a certain task. We see that with King David. We see that he was anointed by God to be king, and therefore he was possibly the most popular king that Israel's ever had. But then there's a referent power. This is that power that distracts people to try and um, build loyalty that is not legitimate it is a referent. We see this in one of David's sons, Absalom, who tried to steal the people's hearts away from David and cause confusion and division. We see expert power. This is derived from a person's expertise and uh, other people's need for it. We see that with Joseph, how God would give him dreams and bring revelation and in, in, uh, understanding of people's lives. And also, of course, how he... Uh, protected both Egypt and Israel during a time of famine. We see there's a reward power. This is a, the ability to give benefits, uh, money, time off, things like that. We call those people good bosses. And then there's coercive power. That is by threat of negative influence, we inflict discomfort on people and we call those people bad bosses. Okay, you're in Romans. Let's turn to Romans chapter 15. And we're going to read what Paul was writing to this church at Rome. He's closing out this book. There's two more chapters. And he writes this in chapter 15, starting in verse number 17. He says, Therefore I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done, by the power of signs and wonders, through the power of the Holy Spirit. So then from Jerusalem, 
all the way around to Arusium. I, I really practiced that name. Arusium. Took me a moment. I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ is not known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, it is written, those who were not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. We see here Paul is writing as a beginning of his conclusion. And he's saying, I kind of want to encapsulate what I've been talking about. He references there the power of worship in verse number 17. We look at worship and sometimes we can begin to be a little diverted and to think that it is an event that we do on a Sunday morning or maybe at a life group or a Bible study. And yet worship is not something that is an event. It's not something that we, we just simply do as an act that is isolated from everything else. Worship is really about a lifestyle. God has given you everything you need to overcome everything that tries to keep you from worshiping God. Paul wrote to the Galatians and he said, there is this battle between the flesh and the spirit. And he's saying, if you, you will basically starve the flesh, the spirit wins out and overpowers. But if you feed the flesh, then you've got a strong battle going on. We know who is most powerful and yet we can live by the flesh if we so desire. But he's saying this wrestle, this power, this struggle. He says, I've given you the power of the Holy Spirit to push down that flesh, to push down that inclination, that desire to sin. He says, I've given you that power. I've given you everything you need for life and godliness. Aren't you thankful that though there is a struggle within us, God has given us the power to overcome. He says, I'm declaring you overcomers in Christ Jesus. So we have that power and that ability by the Holy Spirit. Yes, there's willpower involved. Yes, there's all of those things, positive thoughts and statements, but it is the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives that causes us to overcome. When we talk about worship, the Bible has the word worship many times. And the predominant definition of that word worship is the bowing of the heart. It is not simply raising hands or singing or vocalizing or whatever. It is about bowing the heart before God. Predominantly through the word of God, that is the description and definition of the word worship. Worship is not simply a behavior. If it were, it could become idolatry. And because some people treat worship as simply a behavior, an activity, it is in some people's lives, it has become idolatry. It is the worship of music, or it is the worship of a style, or it is the worship of a behavior during singing that people are now worshiping. And it's nothing new. It's always been that way because we can easily get diverted into putting our faith into something that is human-oriented instead of God-oriented. And so we can't look at worship as a behavior or an activity, but yet worship is really life. Jesus had a conversation with the, what we call the woman at the well. We don't know her name, so we just described the place where they met. We do know she was a Samaritan. 
And Jesus has this conversation with her, and he uh, comes to somewhat of a conclusion to that conversation. He says, those who worship must worship in spirit and truth. And he's saying that's the, that's the culmination of your entire life. He says to her, it's, it's not a matter of that mountain or that mountain or this valley or this place or that temple. He's saying worship is spirit and truth. Whenever you walk in truth some of the time and you walk in falseness some of the time, you are on unshaky ground. You're on, on a, uh, un, unshaky, un, you're on a foundation that doesn't work. You're on, you're on shifting. It doesn't work. He said, but when we worship in spirit and in truth, we live a lifestyle of representing Christ through truth and not just simply through what everybody else is thinking is so good. Worship is life following God. But in the verse, next verse, he talks about the power in witnessing. Look what he says there in verse number 18. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done, by the power of signs and wonders. And he goes on to list these things. He's saying there was a, there was a, there was a, a ministry, there was a witness that was given, and it is the power to love people. The witness that you and I have is the power to love people. Now, sometimes that's easy, isn't it? And some people are just easy to love. We have, we have a church filled with people that are just easy to love. So we're not talking about anybody here, right? But sometimes there are some people that are just a little more challenging to love. And yet God says, I'm giving you the power of the Holy Spirit to love your enemies. He says, love them and do something good for them. Help them, benefit their lives. He says, I'm giving you that power. That power to witness starts with loving people. And it's easy to love the easy to love. And it's difficult to love those who are difficult to love. But the power of the Holy Spirit helps us to do that. He helps us to say, I forgive. I'm going to look the other way. I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to think that you did that. You said that. I'm not just going to put that out of my mind because I'm more focused on loving you than being offended by you. And that is the power of the Holy Spirit. But he also gives us the power to give warning. The power to give warning. It's amazing how difficult it is to warn people that the direction they're going in is not a good one. Have you noticed that? I've noticed that. We, we're, we seem to be so at odds. It's, 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 it's like we're either totally together or totally separated. The, the opinion blasting media that used to be news, now it's opinion driven by an agenda. They fueled this, but it's really in the heart of people. We, we, we battle and we, we bump heads. And when we try to warn someone, many times we're received with this immediate pushback. Oh, don't tell me that. Oh, that's none of your business. And yet the power of the Holy Spirit is residing within us to be able to effectively warn someone, hey, listen, the path you're on is not a good one. What you're doing is not going to glorify God. 
God gives us that ability to come along beside of them and befriend them and get their trust and allows us to be able to speak into their lives at the due season and in the right way, filled with grace and mercy so that it is not offensive, but that it is received and beneficial. It's not just tricks of communication, but it is the power of the Holy Spirit. And God gives us that power. See, he doesn't just give us the power of the Holy Spirit to blast people. And sometimes we just think, if I'll talk louder, they'll get it. If I'll talk with great passion, they'll get it. There's nothing wrong with volume and there's nothing wrong with passion. But if they're not getting it, they're not getting it. But the power of the Holy Spirit comes along and says, I'm going to show you a different way to reach this person. And I'm going to show you a different way to reach this person. And I'm going to give you a better way to reach this person. And God begins to speak to us about individuals in our life, whether they be family or people that we work with or people that we live near. He says, I'm going to give you the power to give them a warning in a way that they can get it because it is the Holy Spirit speaking through you and not just you. Thirdly, he talks about witnessing. He says, I'm giving you the power of hope. God gives us that ability to give people hope. If there was anything that was needed so desperately today, it is the hope for the future. It is the hope that things can turn around, that things can get better, and the Holy Spirit is working in our lives to give people hope, to say it's going to change. If we'll surrender our life to God, things are going to get better. I'm not so sure we can proclaim a hope for a nation or for a world, but what we can proclaim is hope for all who call in the name of Jesus Christ. We proclaim that hope, and that hope is available to every person. Every person on this planet has hope in calling on the name of Jesus Christ because Jesus said anyone who calls on his name would be saved. Anyone. And so we have hope, and we need to proclaim that hope. And when we find ourselves in that, in that kind of butting of the heads with somebody, let's divert to hope. Let's, let's divert to hope and say, hey, I'm hoping for better. I'm hoping for the best. I'm hoping that we turn this thing around. I'm hoping that God performs a miracle. How many of you today would say, I'm hoping for a revival in the churches all across our country? Amen. Amen. And God gives us that power not only to hope, but to convey that hope. One of the best ways that you can convey hope is with a smile. When everything else is going bad, just smile. You know, sometimes, and I, I'm speaking to myself, sometimes we just need to inform our face, hey, buddy, you need to smile. You know? Because there's something about smiling. You know, when you're, when you're in a tense situation and, and one guy's at the table smiling, you're just going, he knows something, I don't know. He's got something, I don't, he's got something up his sleeve. She's, she's got something, I don't know. And you just gravitate toward people who smile, right? So why don't, why don't we just do that right now? We just inform our face to smile. Just tell your face right now, hey, face, smile. Go ahead. Hey, face, smile. Some of you didn't do that. <laughs> there is a hope that is so needed in the middle of tragedy. There's a hope that is so powerful. It is so powerful. God gives hope. And he gives hope for many reasons, but one of which was the very thing that Paul here talks about next in verse number 19. 
There's power in warfare. With signs and wonders and these miracles he spoke about, there's, there is a power needed in warfare. That the devil has people bound, that Jesus made that very clear. There's, there's, there's sickness and there's oppression, there's demonic op uh, oppression and demonic possession. Satan has people bound with sin and with wrong thinking and with wrong behaviors. And Jesus has come to say, I'm, I've come to set you free so that you would not be bound. He came to open blinded eyes and, and deaf ears and to cause people who've been crippled their whole life to rise up and walk. He actually raised the dead. And he's saying, I'm, I'm, I'm saying you get to do that too. You get to participate in that process too. But there's a warfare. There's a battle and a struggle that goes back and forth. And that struggle, Jesus has declared, I declare you more than conquerors in Jesus Christ. He's made that declaration that we are overcomers and we are those who are victorious, but not without a battle. You cannot be victorious without a battle. And we know that as Jesus Christ hung on the cross and died for our sin, and then three days later he rose from the dead, we know that he, he conquered Satan entirely and for good. We know that in the end, it's a done deal. We know who lives in the end and who doesn't. The Bible tells us in the book of Revelation that there is a chain waiting for Satan and he will be bound and he will be cast into the lake which burns with fire and brimstone. We know that for a fact. It was the same thing that Winston Churchill wrote in his diary right after Pearl Harbor. Winston Churchill wrote in his diary right after America was attacked, attacked at Pearl Harbor. And he said, we won. Now, if you, if you know World War II history, England was not winning in that moment. They were not doing well. But when America got attacked, he wrote in his diary, we just won the war. He says, because the Americans are in it and they're in it full on. They will not stop until it's done. And he said, Germany is defeated. Hitler will not win. And Japan will be ground to powder. Had it happened yet? No. How many years was America in World War II? But at the very beginning of it, the man who was neck deep in all the trouble wrote in his diary, it's done. We won. It's done. But there were still years left before the victory would come. That's the point. Jesus died on the cross and he says, it is finished. It's done. But the ultimate end of the victory is yet to come. And so we are in this spiritual warfare, but God has said, I've given you everything you need for life and godliness. Ephesians tells us that we put on the whole armor of God that we can stand firm in that day of adversity. Hebrews tells us that we have everything we need to push down strongholds and imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God because the weapons of our warfare are not earthly, but they're mighty in God for accomplishing what God wants to accomplish. And that's the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. God's given us that power to win the victory over the enemy in this time that we live. And here's one of the most unique things that I've Recently, just it kind of illuminated about six months ago, I was reading in Hebrews and, and this just came to me. It was just to me, it was like eye opening. You know, you ever read that? You've read it 50 times, but boom, all of a sudden it hits you. It's in uh, Hebrews chapter 12. You have your Bible there. Re just turn a little bit to the right. Hebrews is almost 
in the very back of the Bible, in uh, Hebrews chapter 2, God gives us this power to win the battle. And here's, here's what he says in Hebrews chapter 2, we begin verse number 1. He says, we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through angels was binding and every violation of disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? Look at there where he says, this salvation which was first announced by the Lord was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testifying to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed to his will. Man, that's amazing, isn't it? We, we think of, okay, yeah, the power of the Holy Spirit and, and defeating the enemy, that's like when a miracle happens and somebody just, you know, has been sick a long time and they're instantly healed or blind eyes are opened. Or the, and yes, that's a testimony of salvation. Those are, that's awesome. That is great victory. But he says... God testifies to this. That's amazing right there. God is testifying about salvation. And he's doing it through signs and wonders and miracles and the gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed to each one of us. What is that saying to us? Every time you are, are using your gift, the gift the Holy Spirit gave you, every time you're exercising that gift and using that gift to build up the body of Christ, to encourage this community, God is testifying through you about his salvation. Now, that's powerful. That's winning the war. That's saying, hey, we're, we're, we won. We're still fighting, but we won. We don't have to worry about the outcome. We win. And so God is saying, I've given you these gifts. I've given you this anointing. I've given you this power so that through you, I'm testifying to the great salvation that Jesus Christ bought for us on the cross. And that's the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. The power of the Holy Spirit is not simply for a worship service or a Bible study or a life group. The power of the Holy Spirit is for every single day and every single occasion that we come against. He gives us that power. He gives us power to be so strong in worship, so strong in witnessing, and so strong in warfare. He's already won. Can we say amen? amen? But yet we still have a fight, and he says, I'm letting you participate in that fight, but I'm guaranteeing you victory. I'm guaranteeing you that you're on the right side. And every time you are exercising those gifts, every time you're praying, every time you're worshiping, every time the gifts of the Spirit move in your life and you're blessing other people, God is saying, I'm testifying. This week, you testified with $189,000 worth of hand sanitizer. I can't tell you how excited the principals were and the assistant principals were. Actually had principals of schools come out and just shake my hand and say, thank you. We appreciate this so much. And you did that. That's God working through us to say salvation's important. Salvation is being testified to by what we do. Amen. Well, here's the thing. Um, we need the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. And what, what we read here is that, hey, we cannot neglect so great a salvation. 
We can't be drifting away and distracted away. God says, I'm giving you X number of days, weeks, months, years. We don't know how long that is, but we have a time period. There's a clock ticking. Because one day we're going to be in heaven. Thank God. But while we're here, he says, I want you to use those gifts. Amen. So we need to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit to be exercising that testimony. And God can use us because I just sense. I share with you on. As I was driving to church this morning, that image in Ezekiel about dry bones. Remember that? How Ezekiel, God gave Ezekiel that vision. He says, man, look at the valleys, bones dry, separated, just the bones everywhere. It's bleached by the sun. He says, what do you see? Ezekiel says, I see bones. He said, speak to the bones and tell them to come together. And they came together. And he says, speak to the bones and say, breath of God, enter them. And all of a sudden, the breath of the Holy Spirit enters these bones. And they stand up and they're, they're a mighty army. This is a vision that Ezekiel had. And I thought of that. And I went to Spotify and I went to Lauren Daigle. And she's got a song that says, come alive. That's the songs about dry bones. And I listened to it on the way to church today. I had no idea what these guys were singing this morning. There were two songs that talked about dry bones. Did you catch that? You catch it now. I'm like, God, you're up to something. Perhaps let's start here. Perhaps it's you. Maybe you're saying like, I am dry bones and I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I am dry bones. I need Christ in my life. I have drifted. I've gone away and I'm, I'm just so dry. Man, God, God's going to bless you today. God's going to help you today. If you just come before him and say, Lord, I need you. I need you working in my life. I am dry. I need you, God, to refresh me. The, the word just talks about the, the washing of the water of the word of God that just cleanses us and flows through us. God, God is going to minister to you today. But you know what? I say these dry bones, maybe it's a business. Maybe it's your education. Maybe it's, I don't know, something about dry bones that there's something that's dead and God is saying, I, I want, I'm going to bring them back to life. I'm going to bring them back to life. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the whole, this whole community and I'm saying dry bones live again. We're going to speak to the north, east, south, and west and say, devil, give up the harvest of God. Give it up. We stand in the authority of God's word, the salvation of Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Would you say to your dry bones live again? I want you to say that dry bones live again. And God's, gonna, God's up to something right now, right now. Let's pray.